Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reins shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bare thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Read down to verse 28. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for prey, and increaseth the transgressors among men. And we'll leave it there. Let us pray for the preaching of the word. Our holy God, we pray now you would enable the minister to preach this word faithfully. And for the sake of the children in the congregation and the parents, that the Spirit would fill the preaching of the word, and that the man would not rely on his own wisdom and understanding, but instead on the, the wisdom that comes from the word, that we all of us would buy the truth and sell it not, and incline our heart unto wisdom's ways. Lord, only the Spirit of the Lord can do this, so may he fill this assembly now in the preaching of the word. Incline all of our hearts unto wisdom. And we pray, Father, knowing that this is not a word that is delivered to children only, but to all of us as the children of God. May you use this word preached then to incline all of our hearts to the Son of God, that we would give him our hearts. And make us know now in the preaching of the word that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, one of the traps that parents fall into is becoming behavioral managers, managers of behavior, outward behavior of children, thinking that the goal is simply I need to manage what my child does and how he does it or she does it. And really, it struck me that you see this in both strict parents and lenient parents, though the outworking of it is rather different. Both can share in this problem. For instance, the strict parent may constantly bark at their child in order to get in line, to behave and be quiet. While the lenient parent, on the other hand, may indulge their child to manage their behavior so that they would be quiet and sit down. You see, in both directions, though one might seem more wholesome than the other, we are actually not dealing with the root matter. We're really trying to train our child as we would train a dog, either giving a treat or tugging on the leash. And we're not dealing with the root matter. Pure behavior management, if that is what our parenting consists of, will not honor God or ultimately be to the blessing of our children. 
Not if the tending and shepherding of their heart is not in view. For the battle really, parents, is for their heart, that their heart would be given over to the Lord and his ways. Scripture says in Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It is the keeping of the heart that the parent must be keenly interested in. Our Savior says, uh, and boys and girls, you probably have this memorized, it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaketh. It is the heart that is really the central crux of the matter. And this is just consistent biblical wisdom. And this is where even in the church as pastors and elders must consider it. This is where the power of the Christian ministry comes. This is why the gospel brings us born again, what? Hearts, giving us new hearts of flesh, replacing hearts of stone. Hearts that are to desire righteousness and not sin and wickedness. The heart is vital to religion and to the sending of our own souls in the direction in which it ought to go. And so, it is in that light then, it is no surprise that Solomon's wisdom as a father in verse 26 comes. My son, give me what? Thine heart. Give me thine heart. And this is really the plea of every parent, or it ought to be, to every child, which is give me your heart. Brethren, if by God's help, a child's heart is disposed in a Godward, in a Christward direction, will they not think of this? Think of it this way. Will they not choose the right friends? Will they not choose to worship God? Will they not choose truth over lies? Will they not choose blessing instead of hitting? And so on and so forth. All the behaviors that we would like to manage. If their heart is right with the Lord, they will choose it out of the heart. This is the goal, parents. This is the prize. My son, my daughter, give me thine heart. Ultimately, recognizing, as we will see, we say this as parents in Christ's stead and for his sake, telling our children, my son, my daughter, give Christ thine heart, which is ultimately where it ought to go. And so that's our theme, which is gaining the heart of a child for Christ, gaining the heart of a child for Christ. And I will also say this, brethren, all of us who are born again, all of us who have a saving interest in the Redeemer. We are all children of God through Him. And so everything that is being said here is applicable to you. That you are to see this is God the Father speaking to you. My son, my daughter, give me thine heart. And so everything that we hear here, whether you are a parent or not, applies to you, Christian. This is God's desire for you, which is your heart inclined to Him. And so... With that, we'll divide our time into three heads. First is nurturing their heart. Second is drawing out of their heart or from their heart. Third is gaining their heart. First, nurturing their heart. In the home, parents, you have to realize this. You stand in a particular relation to your children in view of the Lord. You, parents, are servants of the Lord towards your children. That is what you are. You are to lead your children in the direction of Christ's will for them. 
You are stewards. We parents are stewards for God, raising the children he has given us for a time. And so we are to capture their heart for the Lord using the means that he gives us. Parents in the home, you must understand this. You and I are representatives of Christ towards our children. And that is why he tells us we are to, and we considered this before, raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He puts our raising of them in relation to him. That's why Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We stand as parents in a relation to the Lord towards our children. And the interest of any superior towards their inferior, whether they are an elder or a parent uh, or whatever they are, is to see fundamentally that the heart of our inferior, in this case children, is to be inclined towards Christ. And for parents, I think, what can happen is we can, because children grow gradually, we can forget that every day, every moment, is one more step that they are making on the pathway to adulthood and maturity. And sometimes we can confess uh, that we forget, we almost like ossify our children. Uh, I still think of my youngest as the baby of the family. He's not a baby, he's a teenager almost. And so we can forget that our children are day by day on a path towards maturity. And we have an interest in seeing where their heart is in relation to righteousness and the Lord. And so we have to have an interest in drawing their hearts towards godly maturity. And what can happen is, as we use the tools of discipline we considered last time, We can forget or neglect to see that they must be enriched with heart counsel towards our children that shows an interest in their development towards godly maturity. It's interesting, and this is why we began all the way up in verse 13, which we read or we heard from last time, which is that Solomon begins with corporal punishment here in verses 13 and 14. You see that he begins there, but what is he doing? He is making his way to entreaties to the heart as that continues down through the text and to counseling the heart of his son, showing also that the rod and entreaties to the heart are are, are not contrary to each other. You can tend to the heart and also tend uh, to corporal punishment if they are in the years in which corporal punishment makes sense, as we considered last time. These things are not contrary to one another, as though I am going to be cruel to my child because I spanked them, and I will not be tender towards them. Like these two things can't go together. Here you see a father very tender towards their child, and yet does not withhold the rod from their child either. And we have heard last time, time and time again, this is simply pattern on how God, our Father, deals with us. He entreats us, he woos us to Christ with the free offer of the gospel, but he also chastens us when we sin. But his chastening, Hebrews 12 told us, is out of love and not for destruction. So that said, parents, it's very easy for our flesh to fall into mere behavior management mode, as I said earlier. And sometimes, and I want you to consider this, it even gets us with so-called good children. We are satisfied with good behavior. Maybe we say something like this, you know, Susie, she is so quiet, she's so good, she does her work well, but maybe she just does it because that's her expectation and her heart is actually not in it. 
And she actually doesn't desire these things, and maybe she's fuming on the inside. So consider how Solomon entreated his child in verses 15 and 16. He's not content with the outward behavior, the outward man. He says, my son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice even mine. Yea, my reins, that is the inward parts of his soul, shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. He says, my child, if your heart is wise, if your innermost parts are wise, then what will the response be of my heart? I will rejoice. And also, I think this is helpful for us parents. It's not only, right, if you, my child, are wise, not only will I not be upset with you, they have to see and understand that you will rejoice, knowing that they are wise, that we are glorify God and we are grateful and we are full of joy when our children go in the right way. And aside for prayer, I'll get to prayer in a bit, but these are the things to pray for, aren't they? You look at something like Proverbs 23, 15 and 16, Lord, give me joy knowing my child's heart is inclined towards wisdom. Send my child's heart towards wisdom's ways that I may rejoice seeing that in them. Good ways to go before the Lord in prayer. And so his entreaty, though, concerning the heart continues in verse 19. This text is full of it. Verse 19, hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide, what? Thine heart in the way. Guide thine heart in the way. Not only behave, my son, but make sure your heart is being guided in the way. And what way is that? Verse 17, his prior thought. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. So the plea is, not only my child, don't go the way of the wicked, don't go the way of the sinner, but be in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Reverence the Lord, be on his side. The foundational theme of the Christian home, we remember, was in Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. That extends to your children, not just you parents. And then you can say to my son or my daughter, you will be truly blessed. And this is what is necessary as well. We need to teach them that their heart ought to be inclined to the truth of God in their mind, their heart, their manners, all of it must be inclined towards uh, the truth of God. Verse 23, buy the truth and sell it not also wisdom and instruction and understanding. They are to do this because not only does it glorify God, it is for their best interest. It's for their own interest that they have a heart inclined in this direction. And I'll speak of this in a little bit, but we must not neglect to say it is because I want the best for you, my child, that I want your heart inclined in these ways. It is because I want the best for you that the truth of God's word ought to reside in your heart and ought to be your desire. So how does this begin in the home? It begins really by treating your children, especially as they grow, as reasonable souls. To recognize it's not just the rod we use for disobedience, but in order to nurture obedience, you need rational, heartfelt conversation. You need to show them out of the scripture, truth and wisdom, and invest that time with them, parents, along with logic, right, and as to why they ought to go the right way. You need to reason with them. 
For instance, Solomon does not just say, don't go to the whore in verses 27 through 28. He invests the time to explain why it is to the detriment of his son's life, what he can expect if he visits the whore. And he, he says, do I want these things for you, my son? I don't want the destruction that comes to those who visit the whore because I love you and I want your heart inclined in the right way. In verse 21, in the same manner, he explains to his son what happens to the drunkard, glutton, and lazy man. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Maybe it's obvious to you what comes to the drunk and the glutton. Maybe not. He explains it, but less obvious, he also explains to his son, idleness and laziness produce the exact same effect. And do our children not need to know this, that their heart would be inclined towards such wisdom, that the reason I am telling you, child, you ought to be industrious and redeem the time for the days are evil is because you are going to be brought to ruin. And how can I desire that for you? It's not just that I enjoy punishing you. I want what is best for you. And I want you to desire what is best for you as well. And you think about so many ways, uh, parents, where you can instruct your children in this way by positive and negative example. You can look at a world of sinners out there, and maybe even in here in the church, but I pray not. But uh, you can look at a world of sinners and you can show them providences that show what the end of the wicked man's ways are. You know, we were just thinking about this uh, before I was converted, uh, sort of a, a hero to those of us in the tech industry, right? A man like Bill Gates, admired by so many, has now disgraced himself utterly in so many ways. And you can say, my child, see, this is what happens when you pursue the riches and power of the world and yet, don't fear God. You can look at other men, Hugh Hefner and his pathetic end. See where the way of sinners, even lauded sinners, will deliver you. Do you want that? Do I want that for you? My son, give me thine heart. Show them the folly of idolatry. Show them the folly of atheists. Show them how those who bow down to idols become dull and irrational. And say, it's not just that I don't want you to do these things. I desire your heart to desire not these things, but the Lord and his ways. Because I, will, I have seen where this will lead you out of the word and in providence. And I want you to live given his entreaties in our text. If we were Solomon's child, why would we see our father Solomon deliver them to us? Because he loves us and he does not want to see us come to ruin. And our children need to see that in us. Here's a king telling his son these things, almost, you know, use the world's language today, fine, uh, being vulnerable with his child, saying, let me tell you what my heart fears for you. And I don't want these things to come upon you. So you need to entreat your children and show that your entreaties are for their good. This is what we need to show them. We don't want them on the path of sinners, for not only does it displease God, it will ruin them. Instead, we want them on the way they ought to go to glorify God and also to find blessings in it, that they would have a heart that would desire these things. 
This is your goal, parents, to make them desire the right way and hate wickedness. This is the goal of the Christian ministry, isn't it, in some ways? It's to love Christ, hate sin, and desire righteousness. These are the things that we have to impart to our children. And sometimes we think of our children uh, in ways that we ought not to, like they're just children, so to speak. They're not image bearers. They uh, are not to have their heart tended to. But their heart has to, that is the primary battlefield, as this text shows us. It's worth remembering as we think on that first wicked child of the human race, Cain. We remember that even the Lord to that reprobate tried to um, guide his heart in the way to go, didn't he? He said, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You see how he explains to Cain how sin is not in his best interest. Here's a reprobate. I suppose there's something to be said of our sermon from last week on the free offer of the gospel. But he graciously tells this man, not only, right, did you do the wrong things utterly, but you're not desiring the right things. You're desiring sin. And if you do what is right, then will you not do well? That, I believe, is a good segue then to our second heading, which is drawing from their heart. You know, the main problem sometimes we have in communicating with our children is actually we do not. We do not communicate with them, and we don't actually communicate. Our communication, so to speak, can be seen mostly in the yelling and screaming, right? Which is, we heard that before, we are not to lose control, that's not right. And we don't counsel when we observe their ways, and that's a problem. We're actually not very much interested in what makes them tick, What is it that has caused them to desire wickedness and not desire righteousness? They are image bearers, but we become like daycare operators in the home. Do this activity, do that chore, do this schoolwork, and uh, you are allowed to have this entertainment. But we don't give them an interest. We are not interested in them as a person that is growing into maturity. And that is what we have to have, an interest in their person. When the Lord saw Cain's countenance, he gave Cain counsel that was suited to him. Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? The Lord didn't need to see the countenance of Cain, of course. He saw into the heart. But I think that is a very helpful pattern for us parents. We can see a child's countenance. We can't see into their heart. But by God's design, children don't have a very good poker face. And it's very easy to see what is on their heart by what is on their face. And a lot of times we are not disturbed or we're not saddened or sorrowed to see what is on their face, that we may take this opportunity to counsel their heart in the way it ought to go. And so you must not just correct their behavior, you must seek to draw out of their heart the reason why they desire to do that which was sinful so that you can correct it at the root. Proverbs 20, verse 5, this is good counsel for all of us. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. We are to draw out of their heart what it is and why it is that they have gone this way. Now, as I've said, this principle extends beyond just our children, 
But this is a good principle when we counsel our friends in the right way they ought to go. If we are elders and we are counseling the people of God or whatever situation we are in, we need to draw out of a person's heart why they have done what is either commendable or uh, not to be commended and is sinful. And this is key to communication with our children, to draw out of them as fathers and mothers what is in their heart in order to engage their heart and direct it away from sinner's ways and to the godly way. A child needs to understand why what they did is wrong, and you must help guide them to desire what is right. Why they ought to hate, as we remember 2 Corinthians 7 and what repentance is about, why they ought to be zealous to hate what they did. Why they themselves should be angry, not at you, but at themselves over what they did, and that they did not desire what is the right thing to do in that time. When we correct a child then, one of the most neglected tools is to do this heart dive, asking them really honestly and not as a way to berate them, why, my child, did you desire to do what you did? Why did you do it? What motivated you to do it? Uh, This may come after the correction or the chastisement. Maybe it comes much later because... Uh, They're not in a state, and maybe you're not in a state to deal with it prayerfully yet, but you need to get to the heart of the matter. Why is it that you decided to do what is wrong? And let me just give you three possibilities to consider as you shepherd your child. And the first, we don't want to get past this. You need to investigate. Is it a lack of knowledge? Did they not know what the right thing to do is? Was there ignorance of the law of God or your rules for the home? If so, you need to then say, okay, let me teach you what the right thing to do is out of both the the word of God and my counsel. And you need to show them as well why God's ways are for their good. Not just this is the rule, but especially at a tender age, you need to explain this is why you will prosper, my child, if you go this way. And so I want your heart to desire these things. This is why we have these house rules. In the home, it is for a blessing on our house. And if you cannot explain why your house rules are for good, then maybe you need to think about your house rules more. But all of these things you have to explain to your child if they are, and see if they're ignorant. And tell your child, buy the truth, my, my child, and sell it not. This is the truth of God's word. Desire it. It is for your health. Second, you can ask, is it a lack of desire for what they do know. So maybe they do know the right thing to do, uh, but their heart is in opposition to what is actually good. Again, you need to show them that you need to love God and love neighbor through these ways. And it is for your health, my child, that these things are prescribed to us by God. You have to show them maybe out of Genesis. See, they thought that the law of God would be uh, uh, is not for their good. They broke it. Adam and Eve did, and see how it caused their ruin. And the reason I chastise you is to give you a preview of that, that these things are not for good, they are for ruin. And so take the chastisement that way, that by the sting or the rebuke or the grounding, whatever it is, that you would get a taste that to walk apart from God's laws is not for good, lest you die. This is what we have to do. We have to teach as God taught 
uh, Cain, that sin crouches at the door and seeks to devour us. Its desire for us is not good. Uh, Just as Solomon taught his son, not just don't be idle, don't just uh, not be a glutton, don't be a drunkard, but he also explains to them why these things are evil and why it will cause ruin on his child. Have them hate sin with a holy hatred, but also desire the blessings of obedience. I was thinking of Psalm 34. When you think about the way the parent talks to the child in verses 11 and on, Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Then keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Come ye children, listen to how the psalmist treats the children. Hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Do you desire life and love many days that you may see good? Then do these things. It's all couched positively in terms of this is for your health, child. So desire these things. Third, and this is something that is often neglected, but when we dive into their heart and draw out of it, we need to sincerely think, especially with covenant children, that they may be sincerely frustrated with themselves, as Paul was in Romans chapter 7. There are many covenant children who actually know what is right, and if you will allow them to speak plainly and honestly, they will say, I know what is right, and I desire what is right, and yet I find evil in me, and I cannot help it, it seems, at times to do what is wrong. Once one of my children cried in this way, They said that I just couldn't help it. I know it is wrong. The child was in tears. And that was very helpful for me because I saw that the child's heart is inclined in the right direction. They were frustrated with themselves. I was able then to take them to Romans chapter 7 and how the apostle pointed himself to Christ's forgiveness and how we need the help of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 6 that the battle is won by the Lord. But let me just say, parents, this is a wonderful place to be with your child when they're at this place where it's, I know the right thing to do, but I find this contrary law in my heart that what I desire to do, I do not. And I do the things that I don't desire to do. And as they are covenant children, don't be surprised if this is behind much of their struggle in obedience because we believe that the Spirit may be at work in them very early on, maybe even from birth, we don't know. And so help them in that way as well. So three diagnostics, but also a warning, which I alluded to earlier. I'm very aware that as parents, we can ask the why question out of frustration. Like, why in the world did you do that again? And really at that point, we're berating them. And we're not really trying to seek what's in the heart, are we? And so we have to be very careful as well when we ask the question, because it's very easy to say, why in the world? Again, you're doing this and you're berating them. You're not sincerely trying to understand if there's a struggle there, if there's ignorance, or maybe their heart needs to be moved in the right way. So divorce, I would say the dealing of the heart at times with uh, from punitive measures, if in God's providence or in wisdom, you decide it wouldn't be helpful. You can decouple them. 
Sometimes you must chasten a child immediately, which you should if they're going in the wrong way. And sometimes it takes time before the child or yourself are in the right frame in order to investigate their heart, even after you have reconciled them through prayer or whatever. Um, But anyway, be cautious of berating them and not sincerely trying to dive into the heart of the matter. Be wise as to the right time. Ask why as well in the spirit of our text. My son, give me thine heart. Something besides Christ has your heart in this place. Let's deal with that, child. Let's talk about it. Let's ask why. Why does something besides Christ have your heart here? And we need to diagnose the issue. And when you find besetting sins in their life, you need to take time early on to go beyond behavior management in dealing with the besetting sin itself and what is at the root of it. If a child continues in a certain direction, sinfully so, we need to sit back and work with the child and deal with the root matters. Speak to them and lead them and discover there are often, just for your own wisdom, deeper issues in the child's heart than the symptoms that break out. And your wisdom would be finding the deep root, seated root issues. I was once dealing with a particularly difficult sin matter that was breaking out in many different directions from one of my children. And so I brought the, the child into my study and spent a considerable amount of time working through it with them. And I found over the course of a couple of different um, meetings that the root issue wasn't so much that this child was out of control uh, with other siblings and, and was mean and this and that and the other thing. Those were just symptoms of a deep uh, issue of discontentment. Discontentment. And that is what broke out in different ways. And so through prayer and a study of a book and dealing uh, with the heart of the child, the Lord did very good things, such that the child now... Uh, understands the root issue when they act out in ways that they did previously, and then it becomes a Romans 7 matter for them. But they themselves know that their heart should not break out in these ways, but instead should be uh, oriented towards contentment, which was the root problem. Well, as a child grows, they will start to make more and more decisions on their own. They will start to choose things like friends, entertainment, music, clothing, even the books that they choose to read, and so on. And I would say be very observant about these things. Often they manifest what is in the heart of the child. And it's not enough to say, well, you shouldn't listen to that or you shouldn't read that book. But you actually have to be keenly interested. Why? Why is it that they decided to listen to this? Why is it that they decided to read this? Why is it that they chose these friends? Why would they choose these things? And so you come to them and you try to discover these things. Uh, why does my child desire him? Is it a sinful reason? Maybe. Is it a God-pleasing or God-honoring reason? Maybe. Even good things that they choose to do, you have to understand this is wisdom for us, may be done for the wrong motives. Their heart may be leading them. In, they get to the right answer, so to speak, but through the wrong work, Right? So we need to understand why their heart chose a certain thing. For instance, if your daughter chooses to wear wear very modest dresses, right? you might cheer and praise God, and and you probably should, 
Um, but you have to ask why. Why does she choose to wear modest dresses? And if you find out, for instance, that it's because of all her friends at church like to wear a certain kind of dress, well, that's not the right reason, is it? So even outwardly, we may see behaviors and patterns that might please us, but we have to be very interested in why the heart chooses what it chooses. And the, the danger is, because in this particular example, if the child ends up with other kinds of friends, they're going to choose the kinds of things that their friends want to do, which may be sinful and not God-honoring. And so this is why the heart is really where the parent must have a keen interest. Why did they even choose the right things to do? Why did my child, let me ask, uh, you know, I was very thrilled, you know, the day that all my children decided that they were going to read the Bible and pray in, in the mornings. Ask why, you know, they gave me good reasons, God-honoring reasons. But, uh, you know, if it is something like, well, my friend, you know, I, I want to catch up to them. They've read through the Bible four times and I want to, there's a good motivation there somewhere, but it's not totally right. The, the right motivation is that I want to adore the Lord. I want to spend time with him. I want to know him more. I want to commune with him. And those are the ways that the child ought to go. So sometimes we can be pleased too quickly and too soon without seeing that their heart is in the right place. So, you encourage them, right? Make sure you don't discourage them. I spoke about that last time. I'll give you a reminder. You don't want to pick on everything they do, right? You want to encourage them. This is fantastic. You're reading your Bible, and you are choosing to dress modestly. But let's, let's discover the right reasons, the right way to go, why you should do those things. And I would say, in order to do this, I think you're getting the point this takes a lot of investment and time in your children, doesn't it? It goes beyond the whole, well, you know, you, you come home, manage their behaviors, have family worship, you go to bed, and then you arise again. You have to pre, pre, uh, proactively, like the good shepherd does to his sheep, seek them out. Uh, this is your primary role with them at this time, and it'll go by very quickly. And especially in larger families, like you might have in churches like ours, this is going to take a considerable amount of time investment. And it is time that has to be invested. And I have, I have sadly, in many ways, neglected this with my own children. I can say that much to you, honestly. But it is something that we must be driven to. Each child is very different. Each child is very different. And, and getting to know each of my four children, I get to know their different uh, struggles, the different things that they uh, do well, the things that they struggle with sinfully, and every child needs to pay attention to them. And as you do that, and as you, they see that, it, they, uh, that you desire what is uh, best for their heart, they will also be more open with you. Uh, when you show them that I am keenly interested in your well-being, they will be more apt, especially if you respond to them in a godly way, to come to you with their struggles over sin and their struggles over uh, uh, the right way to go. That's what we want. And this is why Solomon says, my son, give me thine heart. And so with that thought, let us briefly consider our last heading, which is gaining their heart. The aim then is, my son, give me thine heart. You know, some go the wrong way in this and they think that means indulgence. That's not what this is. It isn't that your child has to be your best friend. 
spoiling your children never to do anything to hurt their feelings. That will actually not gain their heart at all. In fact, at some point, as life becomes hard outside of your home, they will likely despise you because you didn't truly treat them the way that needed to be treated. I work with men and women all the time in the counseling room who wish that their parents had not indulged them, especially when life becomes hard. Our Father in heaven is the pattern we learned last week. He is gracious, he is kind, he gives us good gifts, he instructs us in the way to go, and when we do not, he does chasten us out of love. He says to us all in that, my son, my daughter, give me thine heart. These things are not contrary. Now, you also must not misunderstand this verse, that you are not to desire their heart for your own sake, such that your children exist for your own desires for them. Some parents do this kind of thing. They look at this verse and they think, oh, I must have the total control over the heart of the child. I once remember preaching at another church on the parable of the prodigal son. And afterward, a woman came up to me and bemoaned the fact that her daughter was a prodigal. And as I started talking to her, I became more and more clear, whoa, this is actually not the case at all. This daughter loves the Lord. This daughter goes to church, but she just doesn't have a good relationship with the mother. That's not a prodigal. And as I was going through a discussion with her on the things that caused the breach, I realized that it is actually very likely that it's the mother's fault in much of this. This is not a prodigal. This is a woman who wanted the heart of her daughter completely and totally. And that's not, that's not what Solomon is speaking of here. Many men and women give the heart, their heart to their parents sinfully. And, and today, as adults, they're afraid to upset their parents in any matter, and this even affects their religious life. When the word says, do this, and their parent says, no, they choose their parent over the word of God. And that's not what the word of God is teaching. We are to obey God over man, even if that man is our parent. One brother told me how he married a Pentecostal minister's daughter, and her being Pentecostal is not the issue. It's just that her father was really more of a cult leader than anything else. And what happened is when he, the father, I mean, sorry, the husband would instruct his wife out of the word of God, what is right, the father of his wife would say, no, I believe this. Guess who she followed? The father and not the Bible, not God himself. And so we don't want the heart of our child in that way. We want them to love the Lord with all their heart. We want their heart, we want to win their heart for the Lord's sake and not our own. They, you want them to love you in the Lord. You do well, really, when you say, my child, give your heart to Jesus. And I am pleading with you on Christ's behalf. That's what we teach them. My son, my daughter, give Christ your heart. But as we come back to the verse, as it is uh, here in the Bible, in this text, I want you to think, parents, and maybe your parents were this way. If so, praise God, very few parents are. Now, after a matter of correction or when you were getting counsel, how would you have responded to it if your father or mother said to you, now, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. Give me your heart. This is the one thing that we often don't do, is it? 
we don't tell our children we want their heart. I think about how many ways I've fallen short in that as well. I suspect, though, if you had been disobedient or you had rebelled, it may well be that the Lord would have pricked your heart if your own parents had asked this kind of thing of you. And so we think on this and we think on that rule that Christ gave, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the law and the prophets. And so as we think on your own relations with your parents, as you think on your children, maybe this is the way that you ought to go with them. And I would say before you ask your children for their heart, you need to go to the one who is sovereign over the heart, don't you? Uh, Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. This is really who you need to go to and plead with the Lord. Uh, You need to plead with the Lord for the heart of your children, parents. And then you need to go to them and say, give me your heart. And if it's true of kings that the Lord can change their hearts, it is so true of children and others as well. So ask the Lord for your child's heart. As an aside, I know time is running out, but do you hear how many times in the Proverbs the heart is mentioned? So isn't it your wisdom and mine as well to see that the heart is, not to be cliched, the heart of the matter in the Bible? This is what wisdom would teach us. The disposition of the soul is the battleground, not behaviorism. Well, beside prayer, another powerful means the Lord uses, and it comes right out of the text, is that you be a pattern for your children. What's the very next phrase after give me thine heart? Let thine eyes observe my ways. Is this not a challenging thing to tell your children in sincerity, parents? Surely we have to take many beams out of our eyes before we can say it. And that's where this is a very sanctifying principle. And this is why the the calling of the Christian parent is very high. It's very sanctifying to consider of this. This is a moral obligation laid on every parent, which is an obligation to live a Christ-like life before our children. That they would have a pattern of Christ-likeness. Is this not how the Apostle Paul lived? Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. You are to be a living example of Christ-likeness. Your manner of life is to be holy. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. This is, if you want to move someone's heart towards godliness, not only must you bring them the word of God, but you must bring a manner of life that comports With it. Children are deeply impressionable as well. And they learn from your own behavior, parents. Many of the things you do, I can say this for myself, and I've had to unlearn, are things that I have learned from my parents. And I have to ask, where did this come from? It came from my parents. It didn't come out of the word of God. But when you do what is right in God's eyes, and they impression themselves on those things, What a blessed thing that is. One of the reasons I have enjoyed going to other congregations and you've been gracious to allow me to minister to them is that I get to learn from observation, whether it is in Scotland or it is in Greenville, South Carolina, or it's in Phoenix, Arizona, or wherever. I get to learn from godly men and congregations 
on better ways to minister to the people of God. These are things that, yes, are in the Bible, but when you see it and it's merged with the godly life, then you see the power of it profoundly. I think the same holds true to each of you individually when it comes to godliness. When you meet with that particular dear saint, maybe it's an older saint or an experienced minister or elder, you come before them and their prayer life challenges you and you understand better how to pray. Or maybe you see their walk with the Lord, how they walk in holiness and righteousness, how they are charitable to all men or whatever, and their walk with the Lord, their piety is incredible to behold. And these things challenge you on a deep and fundamental level. And you seek to imitate them as they imitate Christ. The Lord uses that means. This is scriptural. Solomon and Paul lay these things out. And so mark this well, parents, your holiness is meant to be an example to your children. Really, it's this simple. You would be a hypocrite like the Pharisees if you were not. How can you tell them the way to go if you will not go yourself? Imagine then having a conversation with your child that goes like this. See how I interact with others. Observe what I do in stressful situations. See how I have made a covenant with my eyes and let no unclean thing pass before it. See how I have sworn to my own hurt and I do what comes at a cost for Christ's sake. See how I'm gracious to those who do me wrong. See how I forgive and seek to put away bitterness and wrath and grudges. How I seek to walk in integrity. How I am industrious and I don't waste my time with idleness. How I walk as one or I seek to walk as one with gravity and maturity. How I have put away childish things and don't indulge in the flesh. How I spend time in the word and in prayer and, and seek the Lord. How I will not miss church until I am too ill to go, not because I sleep in. Can you say these things honestly, parents? If so, praise the Lord. If not, repent. Because they are learning from you the way they ought to go. And don't be surprised in a prayerless home, in a home in which there is no integrity, that your children do not walk according to the Lord's ways. Your child is observant and they intuitively understand the disconnect between your mouth and your feet. It's challenging, isn't it, to tell your child to observe your ways. But also, one thing that they must observe is that you are not perfect and only Jesus is. And that you are to, yes, imitate me insofar as I imitate or follow Christ and no further. And there is one thing you must imitate in me or follow in me that Christ never had to do. And that one thing is repent when you sin. And I, child, am a sinner too. And so tell your child to observe when you repent and are ashamed of your own sin. This will be an aid in their own repentance. You want them to forgive. You want them to ask for forgiveness. You be a pattern as well in that. Parents, be a pattern to follow. It is a high calling, but also there is a supreme and wonderful blessing in it that you will be greatly sanctified yourself. Having children is, if nothing else, highly sanctifying. And even if your children don't respond as they ought, you yourself will grow in grace and closer to the Lord. But on the negative side, a grave warning. If you walk as a hypocrite, demanding your children do one thing and you do another, 
Don't be surprised if they depart from the Lord. I have lost track of how many people have told me that the reason that they are not in the church is because their parents are hypocrites. They took them to church but did not live a godly life at all. Children, that is not an excuse. If your parents are hypocrites, you follow the Lord for the Lord's sake. Your Lord will deal with your parents. But parents, this will be on you if you walk as a hypocrite and your child departs from the Lord. So you be mindful of that yourself. And you, parent, as you look at this text, remember that somebody in this text is asking for your own heart. Who is it? It is Christ himself. My son, my daughter, give me thine heart. Give your own heart to Christ first before you ask for your child's heart and follow him wholeheartedly. And I also want to reiterate something I've said many times before, which is that you and I as parents can feel like failures, failures in raising our children if we have never considered these things before. And all we can say is that the Lord is gracious and good. If we repent of our sin and we go to him, there is no telling what he can do to repair the years that our own locust-like behavior have eaten away. So go to the Lord and plead with the Lord for them in prayer and for yourself. It is never too late to express to them in sincerity to your children, my son, my daughter, give me thine heart. Finally, a word to you children from the Lord. Consider verse 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. Your duty to the Lord is to listen to them. It is to give your heart to Christ and give your heart to your parents. Your father and mother are to be honored as you heard a few sermons ago. Will you listen to them now knowing that they have your best interest at heart, children? That they want you to have life everlasting. They want to enter glory and see you follow them soon after. This is what they sincerely want for you, I have to believe. And so walk according to the word of God, according to the Bible, and your parents will rejoice when you do it out of the heart. When they see you desire godliness, oh, how your, your parents' hearts will rejoice. Don't grumble and complain about the good things you are to do, but incline your heart to the way the Bible says to go. And hearken, this is what the word says, hearken to the parents that he gave you for your good. If you struggle with being good children, It's your heart that needs correction. And it is your heart's disposition that needs to go into a Godward, Christward direction. May the Lord help you in your desires. Pray for it, children. Pray for it, that you would desire what is good and godly. And go to your parents. They are your nearest counselors. Ask them sincerely, what is the way I ought to go in my life that would be for my health? What a blessing you would receive from God if you would do that. So go to them. Your parents are there in the Lord for you. So let's leave our family series there for now. I've gone over time. Let us arise for prayer and we'll pick this up another time.